They're the team captain. So as things are happening on screen, as, as riders are attacking or they're going up climbs or they're in a pace line, the, the team captain, the instructor, should be shouting out to the, the members encouragement, what they should be doing, them, giving them heads up on what riders to watch and how to manage their effort, you know, really being part of the, part of the group. This is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Welcome. We have uh, spring right in front of us. I'd like to introduce you to somebody that I met virtually years ago more recently in person back at Ursa this winter, uh, but David McQuillan. And David is the, um, I guess I would say, the innovator around the Slufferfest video series. He's actually joining me from Melbourne, Australia. So welcome, David. Thanks, John. It's a, it's a real thrill to be here. I know it's uh, spring there, but it's uh, the clutches of winter down here. Right, because you're the exact opposite of us. That's right. And it's freezing. <laughs> Right, and if we had structured this better, I, I was looking forward to doing the whole. And David is in the future uh, because you guys. <laughs> well, this is the end of the day here, and you're just starting. Right, and I'm just starting. Right, right, right. But you can set this up so that it is tomorrow where you are. That's right. Uh, so awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with me. Give everybody just a little understanding. First, Sufferfest, what I would describe as a structured indoor cycling video. That was primarily, or, or at least initially, was for those guys in their basements. Our videos are training videos, workout videos for indoor cycling. And, and I created them really for myself many years ago when I was uh, training indoors in Switzerland because I was living there. And as you can imagine, the winters in Switzerland are pretty, pretty rough for riding outside. So I decided to start making some training videos for myself to keep myself uh, entertained and focused on a, on a good workout. How long have you been doing it? Five years now. Five years ago, Five years. we released our first video. You've kind of built a or, or developed a whole persona around Sufferfest. I mean, you have an actual location where you reside in Sufferlandria. Where did all that come from? <laughs> a fertile imagination. <laughs> <laughs> well, no kidding. <laughs> well, you know, when I looked at why was indoor cycling boring, what, you know, why was it so hard to spend an hour on my bike inside working hard? In the basement. In the, in the basement, on my turbo trainer. And I, I'm not talking about group indoor cycling, huh? Because um, I did a lot of that. That was, that was quite fun. But, um, you know, training by myself as a cyclist uh, because I had events coming in the spring. What, why, why was it just so boring? And I, I, I realized that I had to create something that, uh, that gave people a really solid workout, that got them the fitness outcomes that they wanted uh, to achieve. But at the same time, I needed to entertain them. And I thought, well, if I can create stories and a, and a mythology and, and characters uh, and, and help people identify with something bigger than just the workout it, itself, then that would really keep people motivated, uh, keep them uh, part of the community, keep them um, coming back and working hard. And that's where Sufferlandria came from, is this fictional country of people who love to push themselves hard and encourage others to push themselves hard uh, came from. You know, I've talked with, I think, all of the other 
DVD producers have been on my show at one point or the other, uh, except for you. And and I was thinking this morning while recording this, it's like five thirty or a.m. But I was thinking through. I said, "Why well, I've never had David on?" It's and it's because I really viewed what you were doing as videos for individuals, mm-hmm. not necessarily for group classes. But that's kind of changing, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And um, you you, uh, you certainly were not wrong in that uh, in that feeling because we're you know we grew up over the last few years as a as a consumer brand and. Um, grew up step by step, uh, you know, and keep in mind, you know, the Sufferfest, I started as a hobby. I never intended it to be a, a business. Um, I, I had a career in banking uh, that only uh, a couple of years ago I, I decided to, to leave and focus on the Sufferfest. Uh, so you know, we, we were we were happy in our consumer space and, and growing. Uh, we got Sufferlandrians in around seventy countries around the world, and we weren't we weren't really focused on on uh, group indoor cycling until. Uh, October of last year when we launched our license facility program. Okay. And what was the impetus of that? What we saw was that studios were starting to catch up with tech, uh, technology, that we were seeing more studios using uh, video uh, as part of the experience they were trying to, to provide. But we also saw that they didn't have a whole lot to play. Um, on one side, you had forward motion video. So that's the, you know, the, the video of going down a road or something like that. So it seems like you're on that road. <clears throat> or um, they would you know, just play, say, music videos uh, or, or something else. But they didn't have a lot to play on those screens. The, that was one side of it that we realized, wow, the, the market is ready uh, to play our product. And on the other side, we saw a gap in the market in that you had a, a very strong base around what I would call traditional indoor cycling. So that's your your Les Mills RPM uh, or your spinning uh, programs. You know your your music led kind of uh, workouts with with amazing instructors motivating their classes. And on you know to the side of that, you had the rise of uh, groups uh, that were integrating weights and kind of full body exercises and getting a lot of success with that. Yeah, the rhythm and movement style. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we saw that, but we didn't see anyone coming out uh, on the really strongly on the performance side, which is what the Sufferfest is about. And we saw, you know, wow, gosh, we could we could uh, we could offer something to studios that allow them to attract the performance crowd and at the same time entertain their traditional uh, traditional customers who, who also like, um, you know, their, their regular Les Mills and, and spinning type programs with uh, with the Sufferfest, something completely different than they've ever been able to offer. Well, and that's what started all this, isn't it? That uh, there was a pay- post up on Facebook where you know you were trying to identify the different categories, and you know I'm guessing it was part of a marketing exercise on your where you're trying to understand you know where exactly do I fit in, um, and th- the comment that I made was we've got a couple of years worth of these boutique studios happening, and you know there's some early research that uh, Kelly Bolin was doing and you know we've had multiple conversations with others that a diversity of classes is not necessarily the best thing for your studio but it's my belief you have to put an asterisk next to that because obviously you're going to tell me that you've got studios that are being very successful adding what you're doing can you give me an example 
Yeah, well, we've got what we're seeing among, and we've got about fifty Sufferlandrian embassies around the world. That's what we call our our licensed facilities at the moment, and we've got seventeen more coming on board in the, in the next uh, couple of months. And what we find with with our clients uh, is that they're looking for something to complement their existing classes, and those are usually the traditional classes. So they add uh, the Sufferfest as part of a performance column you know, or, or performance content within their curriculum. And they usually mix it around 60-40 or 70-30, weighted in favor of the traditional uh, classes because that's what people know and, and that's and stuff that people love. But that by bringing in a performance element of their, their content strategy for indoor cycling, they're really able to now attract the athletes that they haven't been able to attract before. And they're able to also offer, like I said earlier, they're able to offer their existing customers something different. Now, where I do see studios not being successful or not being as successful as they could be, uh, and I think I'd agree with Callie on this point, is when they offer only performance classes. And that's why we tell folks, hey, if you're going to bring the Sufferfest on board, let's make sure that you've also got some other content. Because if you're offering only performance, you're going to alienate that customer base that, uh, that has made indoor cycling so successful over the years. Right. And that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's kind of my, my re- reflexive response is that don't, do not uh, do anything that's going to jeopardize your appeal to you know the middle-aged women which you know can really be the bread and butter of a studio and you know i you know, again you've done this long time i've done it this is my seventh end of my seventh year and you know the the, the appeal to to reach uh, cyclists uh, endurance athletes uh, is 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 big people you know would love to be you know, more than an instructor, more of a coach. But I guess my concern is that that's a very small market. You're, you're, you're breaking ground here, David. So I guess I'm going to be very curious to be, maybe we can survey all your embassies. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, doing some kind of survey or some, some study and seeing how folks are being successful with it would be, uh, would be great. Right. What, uh, if we take one of our, our clients, uh, David Lloyd uh, Leisure in the UK, you know, they're using the Sufferfest together with Les Mills as their content mix. Uh, right. And uh, that's how they're going forward with their indoor cycling strategy uh, because they really want to attract the, the cycling market. Now, in the UK, cycling is massive. So I wouldn't say it's a small market. Oh, okay, right, right, and yeah, and I guess I have this U.S. centric view of things. You know, that's where the majority of this is happening. But you're right. Yeah, if you get into the U.K. or Europe in general, cycling is much more prevalent. But even I would say, even in the U.S., it's still a very big market because it's not just cyclists themselves. You're also attracting athletes from other sports when you offer a performance part of your class uh, content. Because athletes tend to want to have specific goals for their workouts. They understand the benefits of structured workouts that have specific fitness outcomes in a way that, um, say, non-athletes don't, don't understand. So you're actually, when you offer performance content as part of your program, you're attracting a much broader athlete portfolio. Um, and, I'd, and I'd also say that 
by offering something in performance, and at least the way we do it, I, I don't know about anyone else who offers performance content, but with the Sufferfest, because it's so entertaining and there's this fantasy world and this story, it kind of takes the edge off it a little bit. So you could have your, your, your middle-aged, you know, just general fitness enthusiast who might never go outside and ride a bike and certainly would never race a bike. When they come into a Sufferfest class, all of a sudden they're like, wow, this is amazing. I, I feel like I'm in the Tour de France because you know, we have footage from the Tour de France. I feel like I'm in the Tour de France. I feel like a pro athlete. It's exciting. It's thrilling. Things are happening. People are attacking. All of a sudden it creates this engaging fantasy experience that uh, they actually really enjoy. Again, I'm, and I'm not trying to be the, you know, the devil's advocate here, but so often I'm, I'm concerned that, you know, especially this time of year here in the United States uh, or in the Northern Hemisphere where, you know, it's getting nice out. So uh, everybody wants to be outside and it's tough to run a studio when you don't have, you know, people in it for four or five months at a time. Well, this, I guess that's where I think it's really important for a, a studio to offer a varied curriculum um, so that they can attract from as wide a market as possible. Because, uh, well, well, I certainly you know, can see that by offering only one kind of style at your studio, you're able to, it's, let's put it this way, it's easier to clarify your brand and clarify your offering. Once you start to, once you start to diversify, it's harder work. I don't think it's impossible. Um, it's just it takes a bit more work to get clarity uh, in the market around what you're offering. But if you do offer only one kind of style, you're limiting the market that's going to be interested in uh, in your studio. And I don't think that's necessary. Yeah, you know, because I've just done a ton of research on marketing and, and, you know, over the years. Well, you know, when you look at similar types of service businesses – you know, those that are successful are offer a very consistent offering that they become known for. You know, restaurants are a great example. You know, McDonald's, you know, love them or hate them, um, would never be as prevalent as they are and selling billions of a, a product if they weren't consistent every, every time. Where I think I see str- studio struggle or clubs in general uh, is that, you know, where you you know, where you have such a disparity between one offering to the next, if somebody experiences a bad class or a class that just does not appeal to them, well, you've lost that potential customer. Going back to Callie's example, like she was explaining, is that, you know, having some consistency in your offering, consistency in your classes, formats, um, like you say, develops your brand, brings you, and, but it, but it allows you to parallel how, other successful service businesses operate. Well, let me let me pick up that thread about McDonald's and consistency because I think that that's an important one, and I, I draw a slightly different lesson from that. Awesome, that's why we're talking. So, consistency absolutely critical because if you're inconsistent, people don't know what to expect from you from time to time, and you need to be consistently excellent, right? Because that's the only way to to grow your business. But So McDonald's is really consistent. However, McDonald's doesn't offer only one thing. Uh, if they only offered burgers, they wouldn't have grown and appealed to as wide a market as they do. They also offer salads and milkshakes and chicken sandwiches. And by, and by doing that, they're able to attract, say, entire families who can come there for dinner because people want different things. But each one of those things within the product category is consistently 
uh, okay, I was going to use the word excellent, but I guess that depends on how you. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. Hey, listen, I mean, huh? uh, I'm not against stopping there occasionally. And I think where studios could really str- can can struggle, and 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 probably this is what we've seen over the years in the market is when a studio decides that they're going to offer lots of different styles, but they're unable to uh, to do so consistently. Uh, in an excellent manner you know they might be really good at the style that they say originally launched with but then they figure oh you know maybe we'll do some performance classes or maybe we'll do some rhythm classes and and they're not really geared or trained or focused on on that style so it's kind of hit or miss whether they do a good job they're probably not very clear to their classes that, hey, what you're doing now is a traditional spin class and here's how it works. What you're doing now is a rhythm class and here's how it works. What you're doing now is a performance class. They're probably not really clear about that. So, you know, their members get there and they're like, well, uh, what's going on? You know, last time we were, you know, really getting into the music and this time we were supposed to lift some weights. I, I don't get it. And that's where I think studios, uh, if they fail, that's probably what's going on. And uh, I, I guess I would I would just add to that that if a studio does decide to broaden their their the range of styles they offer in their portfolio, it can't just be a, a, a you know a spur of the moment kind of decision. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do some performance cycling now or or, or some rhythms. We've got a cyclist that's going to be the instructor now. Yeah, oh no, god, okay. no, we'll come, right, right. You know, you, you have to make a really conscious decision that this is going to be part of the portfolio. And then you have to be very clear within your calendar and your scheduling uh, when these classes exist, who they're for, what they do, um, allow people, allow your members to see when different styles are, are being offered and, and, and probably and probably a little handholding and helping members identify the styles that are, are, are best for them. Well, and that's an excellent point. And I think, you know, there is there is great wisdom in in, well, pre-selling whatever it is that you have to offer, meaning that you're you know, that you've got a calendar that says, you know, we're going to start introducing performance classes in October, November, here when it's starting to get cold out. And our and our outdoor riders are going to be looking for an alternative to to being outside. And, and then being very, very clear about how you go and um, identify those classes within your, your schedule. Yeah, I, I, now you've got me super curious to talk to some of your embassies just to get to, to see how that worked for them i'll tell you a little bit about one of our our embassies which is uh, off-road cycling in the, in the u.s and they're uh, let's call them a, a traditional indoor cycling studio and and they added uh, our our uh, videos to their program last year and one of the things that, that we have is something called the tour of sufferlandria right so you know the tour de france and the tour of italy well we've got the tour of sufferlandria of course and we call it the greatest grand tour of a mythical nation now, the tour of Sufferlandria is nine days of Sufferfest videos in a row. It's, uh, it's quite difficult to get through those nine days. And it's primarily meant for individuals around the world, like you said, riding in their basements as a way of keeping them motivated in the winter. But Off-Road Cycling decided to offer the tour of Sufferlandria uh, in their studio. They were a little bit worried about whether they'd, they'd get enough people because they were afraid it would just appeal to serious cyclists. But they did a great job of positioning it with, with their audience and say, hey, this is something different. It's a, it's a fitness challenge. 
to get through nine days of indoor cycling in a row. And there's this great journey. And they had race numbers for everyone. And they just made it a lot of fun. It was, it was huge. And they sold out every single class every single day. It was oversubscribed each day. Wow. Well, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. And, uh, and then, and, you know, the Tour of Sufferlandria, it's, uh, it's not easy. Um, we have thousands of people around the world who do it uh, in their own homes. And uh, Off-Road just did a great job. I'm going to have to get them on my list of people to talk to to see what uh, you'll like them. what all worked out. Okay, well, so, all right, so let's talk about this, this studio offering. So if somebody's hearing this thinking, hey, yeah, I want to I try this, you're providing a lot more than just some videos. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we offer a lot. I guess the, the first thing to make clear about the Sufferfest videos is they're not a normal uh, video that people might be used to where they, they'd see that forward motion stuff. We, uh, our videos have footage from the world's best races, right? So races like you've heard of, the Tour de France or the World Championships or the Tour of Italy. And we, we license that footage so you're allowed to play it in your studio. So your riders actually feel like they're in the Tour de France. And... Then the videos are based on structured workouts. So they're interval workouts, high-intensity interval workouts, which, as we, you know, as we all know, is very popular right now. And the music is part of the video, so you don't actually have to pick uh, a music playlist. All of our music is in the video, and it's synced with the kind of effort you, you have to make. And all the instructions and the storyline are also in the video. So uh, while we don't necessarily recommend it when you first launch our videos, you can play them without an instructor because everything's in there. But the experience is, is enhanced profoundly when you do have an instructor there. So that's a bit about the videos themselves. So when you sign up as a Sufferlandrian Embassy, we give you a, a portfolio of 17 videos and a new one every quarter. But uh, what you also get is... Uh, all kinds of marketing support. We, you know, we allow you to use our brand. We give you posters. We give you uh, digital tiles for your website. Uh, we give you um, images you can use on Facebook ads and uh, Google ads. Uh, we provide platforms like the Tour of Sufferlandria or crazier yet, we have something called the Sufferlandria Knighthood Challenge, which is 10 Sufferfest videos back to back which we've had a few studios do. Uh, another one in the, in the U.S., down in Virginia, I had a bunch of their members do 10 Sufferfest videos back-to-back to become Knights of Sufferlandria. Was that, I mean, 10 hours ten, in, a, in, a, in a row? In a row, a 10-minute break in between each video. It's a fantastic thing to, uh, to generate excitement in the studio, and uh, it's a great way to raise funds for charity, uh, if you like. Um, I think they had seven people do it at this. Uh, it's called Cycle Love in uh, in Virginia. Um, uh, they had a fantastic experience uh, there. They, it was great. So you get lots of marketing support. We've got an online community. Um, we have ride profiles. Like you know, every video we have comes with a probably about a fifteen page document, so you understand exactly what the workout's about, who's in it, what, what, what kind of effort levels, cadence, every, everything is in there so you can know the video inside and out. Right, and this is an opportunity, at least my recommendation, having done a lot of structured video instructing over the years, uh, that where the instructor is going to actually be in with the, the other participants. And so it's more of a peer-to-peer type where you're still, with your mic on, giving encouragement direction but where you're actually following exactly what's on the screen so it's so it's not just a distraction it's an integral part of the class that's right 
And so this is an interesting point, you know, to discuss about uh, instructing on or off the bike, uh, because with our videos, you can instruct them on the bike uh, or off. But what we try and tell instructors is you need to make it really clear what your role is in the class if you're on the bike or off the bike, because the role is different. Oh, interesting. Explain it. So. If you, I know a lot of instructors are hesitant to teach off the, the bike, and, and my, my, my feeling is that that's usually because uh, the class doesn't accept it because they're not clear about the role. So let me tell you more about the role. They're just not comfortable doing it. Plus, a lot of them, they need the workout. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> that's just, yeah. There's a lot of reasons for it, right? So when, when an instructor is teaching on the bike, with the Sufferfest, we tell them to position their role with the class as the leader of the team. They're the team captain. So as things are happening on screen, as, as riders are attacking or they're going up climbs or they're in a pace line, the, the team captain, the instructor, should be shouting out to the, the members uh, encouragement, what they should be doing, them, giving them heads up on what riders to watch and how to manage their effort, um, you know, really being part of the, part of the group. So uh, they're the team captain. Now, when they're off the bike, and this is really how we prefer folks to to teach our classes, uh, we tell them to put themselves in the role of the director sportif, which is the you know the professional cycling term for uh, let's call it the uh, the team director or the coach. And in this role, they're not expected to be doing the workout. They're expected to be be telling the riders what to be doing because they're the team director. Hey, guys, a rider's going to be attacking from another team. You need to make sure that you're on that attack and you're, you're, you know, you're absolutely driving it to stay with them. And then walking around the room and providing coaching. So providing you know, tips on how to manage effort on their form, uh, you know, um, going up and uh, subtly telling that rider who's got their, you know, their saddle too high and bouncing all over the place uh, at too high a cadence that, hey, look, you know, let's, let's pull it back and get good form on. And they can do that when they're on the floor in a way that they could never do when they're on the bike at the front of the room. Agreed. Agreed. And again, I think there, there are some people that maybe because they haven't tried it or it's intimidating – but this is a good opportunity because you, as the instructor, can kind of—I want to use the word relinquish—some uh, control uh, and, and give it to the video because it's all there, very structured and very easily understood by the participants. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think you know by being on the floor and having uh, the Sufferfest video playing, you can you can get a lot more. Um, intimate's not the right word, I suppose, but uh, you can get a lot more personal and one-to-one with with your members, uh, not just directing the workout, but helping them get the most out of it by providing individual coaching and guidance uh, in a way that you can't do at the front of the room, at at least without, uh, without calling people out or embarrassing them. All right. Well, I do know that you are very interested in connecting with studio owners. You've even got a little premium that you're willing to give them uh well for any anybody who's interested in uh, in our program and, and getting our, our videos in, into their studio just wants to know more if they uh email us they could send an email to kate at the Sufferfest, and uh that goes to kate patterson who's our director of group suffering if they uh, write to her and they say i'm interested in learning more about the Sufferfest for my studio and they quote the code ICI Pro. We'll send them a, a pair of Sufferfest socks uh, in the post, 
all the way from down here in Australia. Uh, and then, of course, we'll provide more information uh, about the program. Obviously, they're not committing to anything. But no, no, they, they just uh, if they just write us, they write to Kate, say they're interested in the program. Uh, uh, they quote ICI Pro. We will send them a free pair of socks. They're amazing socks. You can look at our websites. Uh, they've got our acronym, uh, which stands for "I will beat my ass today to kick yours tomorrow," uh, on the back of the socks. And uh, we always wear them around the office here. So uh, yeah, no commitment. No, no, no. We're just uh, we want we want to get people in our socks. Exactly. Well, I'll have to send an email to Kate so she can send you a pair. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you. Send you, send you a pair for you and one for Amy. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'd enjoy that. So we, um, Matching stuff. Because I do have my little, I do have my little, I posted it before, my little, you actually have a flag, too, of a uh, Sufferlandria flag. And yep. I have a, a little Sufferlandria sticker that identifies my tandem. is called the bus. Little <laughs> Great. <laughs> right on it. So awesome. Cool. cool. All right. Well, David, anything else that we we needed to cover here? We've been we've been chatting here for about a half an hour, which has been just very enjoyable. Um, yeah, I, I want to see how this whole thing evolves. There's disruptive technology in the world, and you know, within our industry, I see SoulCycle as been having been very disruptive uh, in a good way because it's really just generated all this excitement around the boutique side of indoor cycling and you know maybe you know what we're describing here with your supper supper fest videos is disruptive on the performance side and we'll add to all these indoor cycles especially you know considering the majority of studios that are opening all have power and the value that that all of it can provide yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, the rise of power is certainly uh, generating more interest in, in the performance side of cycling. But I, I think I'm also really interested to see how indoor cycling changes with all the, the emergence of all these different styles uh, from, you know, Soul Cycle introducing uh, their particular style. And then, you know, you've got you've got other styles that are indicating like boxing and, and cycling and, uh, <laughs> right. you know, it, it's. It looks weird at first, but then you go, okay, you know what? I mean, th- there's clearly a group of people to 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 whom this appeals, and uh, you know, um, it, it's crazy. And they're willing to pay to attend it, that, right? That's right. And so I think what's really interesting uh, is how this framework for indoor cycling um, emerges with multi-sport and rhythm and traditional and performance and uh, and uh, you know, coach-led. Uh, maybe there's more. Uh, so I'm really keen for just from an intellectual side to to keep examining the, the styles that are emerging in indoor cycling and what works and what doesn't and how they interact with each other and who, who's attracted to them. I think it, it's it's th- quite thrilling times. I would agree completely. And um, I'm, I'll, I'll, I've made this comment many times, but when I started this podcast in 2008, I was concerned I was going to run out of things to talk about <laughs> after all. <laughs> <laughs> could I have? I don't. I couldn't have been more wrong. So, anyways, David McQuillan, uh, the Sufferfest, all the way from Sufferlandria, down under, as they would say. I want thank you again for being on the podcast. Thanks very much, John. 